What's up, y'all? Welcome to Stoke for Sports Podcast by Cameron Ward Stokes. This is episode two. And for the first episode, I just want to say thank you, y'all, for everybody that listened, all the feedback I received, all the constructive criticism that I got. actually just found out that it was constructive criticism, not constructed. I kept saying constructed. But I just want to say thank you for all the constructive criticism I received. Um, this is going to be a longer episode. This is going to be actually different. It's going to be set up differently. Nobody might not be able to see the difference, but internally it's set up differently. And like I said, I just want to thank you all for listening, everybody that listened and supported for the first episode. And this, this definitely going to be a, a better episode for the second time. So I'm going to just get right into it. So the other day, Magic Johnson stepped down as the Lakers president of basketball operations. The, La- the Lakers are a clown show. When I've been saying this, I've been saying how much of a clown the Lakers are. I don't know where he calls a press conference, but an hour or two right before the game and says that I'm stepping down. I haven't told the owner yet. I haven't told Rob. I haven't told LeBron. Nobody knows, but I couldn't say it to their face, but I'm more happier as a free bird. He mentioned Ben Simmons as a reason he's stepping down. Mentioned uh, Dwayne Wade, that he can't congratulate him, or Russell Westbrook. It's just like, come on. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to definitely be better for the Lakers. They're going to actually get a real GM because just by looking – if you look at all the trades and everything Magic's done, he he failed as a as a as the president, as the face. And I thought that that was gonna be the thing that gets all the Lakers free agents in, and it wasn't. He hasn't been able to get nobody except for LeBron, who we all knew LeBron was gonna go there in the first place. But he definitely failed as a front office member. He traded Lou Williams. He couldn't get Paul George. Couldn't get Kawhi Leonard. The entire uh, Anthony Davis saga was in the news every single day. All the young guys couldn't tra- trust them no more. And right now, the Lakers should definitely be in a panic mode for free agency. Like, the free agency is definitely coming up soon, and they need to be in a panic mode to find somebody that can lead this train. Because, like I've been telling y'all, the stars don't want to play with LeBron. I know it sounds silly and all, but nobody wants to play with LeBron. I'm telling you guys. Giannis Antetokounmpo turned down Space Jam 2. Um, Clay, KD, and Kawhi doesn't want to play with the Lakers. A report came out said that. And Kawhi is going to go to L.A. If he doesn't stay in Toronto, he's going to L.A. And it's not with the Lakers, though. It's with the Clippers. And it's crazy. For the past 10 years, you could say the Clippers has been more well-run than the, than the Lakers in, the, in L.A. <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, Caruso, Alex Caruso is going to be LeBron's biggest star for Space Jam 2. It's good to look at Alex Caruso, who's been snapping for the Lakers that nobody heard of before, he's definitely going to be the biggest star for, for Space Jam 2. And it's just, it's just, it's just it's a shame. You know, LeBron, ever since he turned down the Sixers to go play in L.A., I've had this type of hate for him, and I just love to see him fail at this point. I know I'm a hater, but I just love to see him fail. So then the other day, the Sixers lost to the Bucks, 128 to 122. It was last Thursday they lost to Bucks, And Embiid, is only one, Embiid and Mike Scott was only two people that showed up for that game. J.J. had, you know, 20-something points. But Ben Simmons just completely disappeared that game, completely. Tobias Harris disappeared too. Tobias Harris is just—he's looking short under the spotlight. When the spotlight is big, he's just—he's coming up short. But Ben Simmons, though, it's just like anytime there's somebody that's six eight, blocking the paint, he just can't get past him. He just automatically turns around and says, "Let me kick out to somebody that can't shoot a three. Let me kick out to Zaire Smith in the corner. Like Zaire Smith can make a three. Zaire Smith just lost a hundred freaking pounds the other week. Now he's about to be the biggest contributor in the playoffs. Like, Ben Simmons needs to really step up his game. I've been saying Ben Simmons, anytime he plays a tough defense, anybody that has long long defenders, 
they can stop Ben Simmons easily. They block off that paint, and he has nothing else he could do. And when I watch Giannis just take it, and he sees that Embiid is sitting right in the paint blocking him, he makes it his mission to go right at Embiid and go right into the paint and get that foul, get that and one. And I wish Ben Simmons got that killer instinct to do that. But he doesn't right now. Hopefully, you know, come over a couple few years and he'll grab that. But the defense, they gave up 46 points in the fourth quarter. And that, that just can't happen. Like, the defense defense is all about effort. You can't let you can't give up 46 points to a team that was missing two of their best guards, Eric Bledsoe and Malcolm Brogdon. That they were strictly relying on Giannis to, to get every single point. And like I was saying about Zaire, this la- the lack of bench is insane. Shake Milton is getting minutes on his team, and he's not he can't play in the playoffs. Like he literally can't play. His contract is a two way contract that he won't be able to play in the playoffs unless they cut somebody and they sign him to a regular deal. And it's just like I know they were missing Jimmy Butler, but Ben Simmons has to turn it on. Ben Simmons, like if I see this again ne- this year, how the Boston Celtics treated him, and he has another game that's less than ten points, it's going to be an issue. We have to start looking at Ben Simmons as you look, you need to you, – you, this whole offseason, you didn't improve. You didn't improve your jump shot. Okay, you got better with, you know, the your, your inside game, your ball handling. But you need to – if you're not going to improve that jump shot, you need to be just like Giannis under the Kupo and take everything right to the rim. Take every contact and get that free throw shooting up because that's the only thing that's holding him back. If his free throw shooting was at least a 70%, he would average at least, let's say, four or five more points. But he doesn't, so. And then Joel Embiid and Eric Bledsoe, they got into it earlier in the first quarter. Bledsoe got ejected the first three minutes of the game. Sixers should have won this. But I'm sure everybody's seen the video. Bledsoe gave Embiid an elbow to the chest. Embiid flipped the ball at, at Bledsoe, and Bledsoe gave a fastball right. It was a dodgeball match. Bledsoe beamed the ball right into Embiid's chest. Um, Mike Scott got into it. Mike Scott threw the ball. It was just a, a back and forth of just a dodgeball, basically. It was nothing major. But I like Mike Scott. His emoji, man. He's any dude with emojis, you just gotta stay away from. This dude got emojis all over his body. And you can't you can you need to be afraid of a guy that has emojis that has the smiley face and the cool emoji right next to each other with a, a crying face on his neck. Like you gotta stay away from a guy like that. But I think when the playoffs start up and it gets heated. He's he's definitely going to be the one to you want him on the floor because he's going to be the one that steps up for his teammates. Him, Butler, those two, I think, are going to be big for when the playoff intensity really starts. And look, the Sixers starters only played ten games together this entire season, and they're going to the playoffs. That's that's a a, a real worry for me. You know, this team has no cohesion, no chemistry with each other, and they're just ten games. Is, is look look at the rest. Look at everybody else. Boston, they've had all their starters from day one. Toronto, all they did was add, you know, Marcus or Giannis on the Kubo and the Bucks. All they did was add more shooting. Everybody else just stayed the same or got better. And the Sixers, they got better for sure. But they guys never played together at all. Ten games going into the postseason. They played the Nets first round. It's been there's been rumors that Embiid might not play the first game, but you know, we're gonna deal with that when it's time comes. I think this team should be able to handle the handle the Nets in five games, six games. They should take that take that game and win it. So Paul Pierce called out. What do you call? He called out Dwayne Wade. I wish people stopped giving Paul Pierce this much this much power to mess up their day. He has. If you ever watch the ESPN, they have this thing called. They have a segment called Truth or Serum, and it's just like Paul Pierce just says any random thing. I think he said something like he made up the 
the fadeaway. The fadeaway was his move and not Kobe's move. He's the one that made it hot. He said that he he said he was a better ring shooter than than Clay Thompson. Come on, Paul Pierce is just messing with you guys. Like, come on. I seen Dwayne Wade's son call out Paul Pierce. Like, come on, stop giving Paul Pierce this much credit. So staying with Dwayne Wade, he dropped 30 points in his final home game against the 76ers. So I stopped watching by the end of the first half when the Sixers starters, they was down like 30 to 10 or something. I said, man, let me – I had the baseball game set up next to me, so I'm looking over at the baseball game, and every time I miss something, there was Bryce Harper hitting a home run, uh, Michael Franco hitting a home run. I said, you know, let me just let me just watch the baseball game. This is definitely the better game, the Sixers game. The Sixers haven't been fun for the past two weeks. They just they melted in. You know, the last game last night, they they rested every single starter. So also the on. Also that night, what was that Wednesday night? I believe I'm just I'm going all through, just off at the top of my head. I think that was Wednesday night. Dirk scored thirty points. Like, come on, who like that? You know, you know, Dirk is retiring. They forced Dirk in retirement. Dirk scoring thirty points. Dirk could barely walk and run up the court. If you've ever seen a, a Mavericks game this year, Dirk is struggling to run up that court, and it looks like it hurts. But my God, Jay crossover Jamal. Crawford, he dropped 51. Jay Crossover, he got three more years in him. I know he's, what, 39, I think he is. He might be 40. I think he's, like, 39. He has, he definitely has a few more years left, though. I wanted I wanted the Sixers to get him from day one. I wanted the Sixers to get him from the Suns at the trade deadline. And he could really use him. Look at the Sixers' problems now. They have no guards. They have no guards that could create a shot. They have Jimmy Butler, and that's it. They have no guards at all. And Jay Crossover, he'll fit right in on the bench. Listen, come off the bench and just give a score a minute. Do you. You get the ball, you create your shot off the dribble, get that mid-range shot. That's that's all Jay Crossover does. Hit, hit you with the crossover and he got a shot in. And I think he could really contribute for the Sixers. But, listen, I say that about a lot of guys. Every time I watch a Sixers game, I say, man, that guy would really look good for the bench. I don't know if the dude is really that good or I'm not talking about crossover. I'm talking about just anybody the Sixers play. I don't know if he's really that good or if the Sixers just make him look good. But, but another dude that just got high, Alex Caruso. I think I talked about him earlier. Only 25 years old. He looked like he's 45 years old if you ever seen him. He has a ball spot in his head looking like a white LeBron. But he got hot and he, he's about to be traded for Anthony Davis. I'm telling you. They're going to throw him in the Packers, let him keep getting them minutes to get the seasons over now. But he proved his worth. Let him get in. And he about to be traded for Anthony Davis. And I watched the Lakers game. I watched when they played. I think it was the Warriors. I turned it on for about three minutes or so. And they had the most unknown lineup I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys and say I know anybody of them guys that play. Yeah, Isaac Bongo. I think that's his name. I swear he was a center, but he's a point guard. He's like a 6'10 point guard. They have him, Alex Caruso. They have JaVale McGee. And then they have... And the rest of these dudes that I never heard of in my life. But, man, I know LeBron is just looking at this like, man, what did I get myself into? What is this team? What is the, What am I doing here? Everybody, listen, they won't be able to trade for Anthony. If we're being serious, they won't be able to trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, Brandon Ingram has some type of Markel Fultz uh, blood clot issue that I don't even know what it's called. All I see hit from Lonzo Ball is is Nike post and him trashing big ball of burn. Kyle Kuzma, I I don't know what happened to Kyle Kuzma, but he he got worse as the season progressed. His three-point shooting percentage was, I think, down to 30%. Give you some perspective, that's under Joel Embiid. And Kyle Kuzma's supposed to be a scorer. He's supposed to be that nice scorer. 
for real, for real, Kyle Kuzma's a scorer off the bench. He's supposed to be a real six-man scorer, but, you know, he got hurt. So last weekend, <laughs> funny story. So last weekend, it was Friday. So I lost a tooth by recording this podcast. Recording the first episode, I lost a tooth for you guys. And I'm in Philadelphia. And coming back, I was about to come back home. I was at 30th Street Station. If you guys don't know, that's the train station, the big train station that takes you to, you know, all over, wherever you want to go, take you back home. So anyway, so I'm sitting down waiting for the train. This dude walks up. He had on a Bucks. So mind you, this is the day right after the Sixers played the Bucks. He had a full Bucks warm-up suit on that have come on who walks around with a bucks warm-up suit he had a nike duffel and a nike book bag with some real nice nike sneaks they were like yellow or something and i'm like i'm looking at the dude and i'm like does he play for the bucks like he 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 definitely was an nba player i don't know if he was part of that dunk squad part of he was part of something with the bucks because come on no man is walking around with a bucks warm-up on just for just for show. And I'm just staring at him. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like who who is this? And I don't want I don't want to be the guy that says, Yo, man, you play in the NBA. You know, then be like, Oh, let me get a picture with you. I'm not that type of guy. So I'm just staring at him. And I'm like, Who is this man? And then he sees me staring, so now he's staring back. And I'm just like, you know what, forget it. I'm not even gonna ask. But I'm just we just we just basically have a stare contest at this point. So if you guys haven't heard, Kyle Corver wrote for the Players Tribune a, a piece called Privilege. It was a, a really good read. I think you guys should go check it out if you haven't. Just basically talking about, you know, white America, how they need to take accountability for for how they treat black people. It was a really good read. You know, I don't really have an opinion on it. I just think it was a good read. He talked about the dude Cephalosha who I don't know what team he plays on now, but he talked about him, talked about how he was at a nightclub at like 3 a.m. or something, and a cop broke his leg, and the whole team was freaking freaking out. I think they was on the Hawks at this point. This was a few years ago. This might have been like 2014. They was on the Hawks, and Kyle Corbett said the first thing he thought was, what was you doing out at 3 o'clock in the morning? And, you know, not, not yo, is my teammate okay? Is my brother fine? You know, why did the cop do this? The first thing he thought was he tried to place blame on, you know, Cephalosa. Then he got into the Westbrook thing, talking when Westbrook and the Jazz fan got into it. When the Jazz fan told him, I think he said, get on, get down on your knees like you're supposed to. And Westbrook snapped back. And it was a good read. Kyle Corver just talked about, you know, the Caucasians need to start taking more accountability. It was just a good read. I think you should go check it out. It's on the Players Tribune. You could probably find it on his Twitter. So the other day, I'm scrolling on Instagram, and I see a post of Carl Anthony Towns taking, you know, I, th- I don't know if he was posting up or if he was just running to the rim. I forget. But he goes up, and who is it that brings him down? Justice Winslow comes right down, brings him down, puts him in a chokehold. And I'm just like, come on, Winslow. Like, I hate Justice Winslow. He's a, he's a good player. He's now running point guard for the Miami Heat. You know his three point percentage is up. He didn't come in the league with a sh- able to shoot. Now he's he now he's got that shooter's touch. And I just like I hate what I hate Justice Winslow with a passion. If you ever seen the video, Justice Winslow puts Carl Car- Anthony Towns into a headlock and just keeps him in a chokehold on the way down and just holds on to him. And it just brought me back memories to when the Heat and the Sixers played each other in the playoffs. And I'm just like. I remember watching that when Justice Winslow 
No, he broke Embiid's glasses, broken Embiid's and protective mask. He was he was just starting stuff. He was hunting at the Sixers. Another thing, man, we heard the stories about Jimmy Butler bullying them. Like, let's just say Cat is soft, man. Carlton Towns is a softy. Carlton Towns got at least four or five inches on Justice Winslow. Like he should have punched that man in his mouth for putting him in the headlock. He put that man in a straight chokehold and kept him there. And it's the funniest video ever. You guys need to go check that out. So also with the Heat, uh, Ronnie McGruder was cut. No, not he's not a he's not no great player, but he's a lengthy, lengthy wing player that could play some defense, athletic. You know, the rest of that the rest of his shot would come if you need to. But I brought him up because I wanted the Sixers to get a look at him for the Sixers to try to claim him to Clippers that put a claim in for him. So you know, he's a nothing spectacular about him. He's just. Like I said, lengthy, athletic, play some defense. I thought he would have been good. Listen, if he was able to be cut and signed for a playoff team, he, I promise you he would be the sixth or seventh man off that bench for when the playoffs start. Just how, just how That's just how bad they are, you know, with death. There's been a lot of discussion about who the most improved player should be, either, you know, Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors or it should be D'Angelo Russell from, you know, the Nets, the All-Star, one-time All-Star. Turn his career around. Now he's looking like a player. Listen, I I hear the hype on D'Angelo Russell. He's 100% better than than P- Pascal Siakam. But come on, Siakam last year he averaged seven points per game, four and a half rebounds. He shot 22% from three. And he sky. Like, when I talk about he he improved dramatically. He now he's averaging 17, seven point seven rebounds and 37% from three. That's above the league average. D'Angelo Russell, whatever you want to say about him, he averaged 15 points last year, and he varies that up to 21. He's a better player. He's better than Pascal Siakam, but he's not. he didn't improve more than Pascal. It's not like he took that 15 and took it up to 25 or took the five assists and took it up to, you know, nine assists per game. Good player, real good player. But when you talk about most improved, to go from seven points per game to 17 is just amazing. And to take your three-point percentage from 22 and raise that all the way up to 37, that might – my math is bad, but I think that's like a 15% improvement. I'm praying that's what, what Ben Simmons goes through this offseason. He takes that 0% from the three and raises it up to at least 28% from three, and I'd be glad with Ben Simmons. So staying in the East, Derrick Rose, I believe his agent came out and said that he could return to the Bulls. It might have been Derrick Rose himself. He could return to the Bulls. And listen, if he comes back to the Bulls and – he comes back to Chicago. They don't have a point guard. You know, Chris Dunn, he's there. They don't have a point guard. He'll go right in. He'll start. And if he plays well, listen, his his legacy will definitely, listen, if he brings basketball back to Chicago and he gets another 30 points, 50 points like he scored last year, if he averages at least 18 points, listen, that's where he needs to go and just retire at. I, I would love to see Derrick Rose back in Chicago. That would be great. So story came out, I believe it was last Thursday. Like I said, I'm just doing all this off the top of my head. I believe a story came out it was last Thursday about Aaron Rodgers' relationship with Mike McCarthy. It was a good lengthy read. I I think you guys should go check it out. And basically, they said Aaron Rodgers had had this type of hate for Mike McCarthy since the first day they met, because in the 2005 draft, Mike McCarthy he liked Alex Smith. I believe Mike McCarthy was an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and he came out and said Mike Alex Smith is the best. I think he said best quarterback in his draft. And then, you know, a few years later, boom, he's the he's a head coach for Aaron Rodgers. And he said things like Aaron Rodgers would if he disagreed with something you said, 
you could be wide open down the field for a touchdown. He'll look at you and then and check down to somebody else. He would never throw you away if he had a grudge for you. Um, Greg Jennings came out and said when they was in the huddle, Aaron Rodgers basically said something like, go sign with the other team or the other team should go pick him up. A year later, Greg Jennings was going off that team. But like I said, that was a good read. You guys should go check it out. It was a really good read. It gives you some insight on Aaron Rodgers' personality. You know, he has a me-against-everybody type of personality. He has soft skin. They say he's the complete opposite from Brady. When really, he he gets a pass because he, as, as well of a quarterback he is, he doesn't have the accolades. He doesn't have the rings that matches up with Brady. But people still, you will still get people to say that he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady. But at the Sixers game when they played the Bucks, they had Reese Hoskins. But this is, as a Philly fan, I love this. Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, and Carson Wentz. He was all at the Sixers game at the club box seats. Bryce Harper rang the bell. It was just, I, it was just as a Philly fan, I loved it. But I did see Alshon Jeffrey was in the front row. He was by himself, you know, down there with M. Night Shanahan. I don't even know how to say his name. M. Night Shanahan, Shanahan, whatever his name is. The dude that made the split movie. I think he, he must be from Philly because he's at every single Sixers game. But Kendall Jenner, I haven't seen her at the Sixers game in a while, so I don't know what's up with that. But all I know is whatever you might think about the Kardashian curse, the Sixers win when Kendall Jenner's in the building, and I haven't seen her there in a while. But back to the NBA, they had a player voting. The Athletic ran a, a player voting thing where they talked about, you know, MVP, who was the most overrated player, most underrated, you know, who just everything. And some, some interesting things that stuck out to me was one of the questions was, if you're building a roster from scratch, who you signed the first? Of course, Giannis was first. Anthony Davis was second. My guy, Joel Embiid, he was third. If Embiid was healthy, I'm starting the franchise with him first, definitely. But something that did surprise me, that James Harden only got 1% of that vote. Only 1% of the NBA players would take James Harden first. I guess, you know, that has to deal with his ISO-heavy game. He always needs the ball. Nobody else is going to get it. But that just surprised me, the MVP of the you know, might be MVP of the league, only got 1% of that vote. Another thing, they said who was the most overrated player, Draymond and Russell Westbrook, they both was tied for first with 17%. My man Jimmy Butler, he was second with, you know, Andrew Wiggins and Carlton Towns, all the Minnesota boys. James Harden was third, tied with Ben Simmons and LeBron and Kyle Lowry. I don't know how Simi Ojale from the Boston Celtics, he got 2.1%. He was tied for fourth with a bunch of other guys. Who who in the right mind ever thought that Simi Ojale was this type of player that he might be overrated? I never heard anybody say anything like that, but somebody must got beef with him. Somebody must got an issue with him and voted him on there. So who's the best player of all time? Michael Jordan won that by a landslide. He got 73% of the votes. Uh... <laughs> Kevin Durant's high for fifth at 1% of the votes, which tells me Kevin Durant voted for himself. They must have asked him. He said, I might, I'm the best player of all time. It has to be. I don't know whoever thought KD was the greatest player of all time, but, you know, congratulations to him for getting 1% of the vote being top five. So another question was, which coach, aside from your own, do you not want to play for? So, you know, the list is Tom, Tom Thibodeau, who runs his guys to the dirt with 43 minutes every game they play in. Jim Boylan, he got second. He's with Chicago. He's a t he's a tough coach, you know. In a player-friendly league, you can't really be that hard of a coach. But 
Something that did stand out to me was Nick McMillan got fourth. He was top of fourth with 5.7%. And I look at Nate McMillan. He's a, he's, I think he's a top three coach of the year candidate. He took that Pacers team. They lost their best player. With the group of role players he had, he still kept them at fifth seed, and they're going into the playoff strong. They didn't really digress. You know, they stayed really the same. So that kind of surprised me that he was on the list. Both of the Van Gundys made the list at 1% and 4.8%. Now, right before my show, I'm just going to get into the NBA playoff previews. You know, the, everything is set. So for the Eastern Conference, the Bucks played the Pistons. Bucks win that in four or five. I'll say four. I'll take the Bucks a sweep. I don't think the Pistons really have any. You know what? I'll give the Pistons one game. Pistons will take that for five games to lose. Raptors and Magic. I like that going. To, I like that going to. The, I'm gonna say five games as well. I think. I don't think Magic just. I don't think Raptors just beat the Magic with a sweep. I think it would be a gentleman sweep. Uh, Celtics and Net. Celtics and Pacers play each other. That's gonna be a really good series. That might be the best series in the Eastern Conference. That's gonna go to seven for sure. Uh, I like Boston winning that. You know, I I don't believe in Pacers to beat with no stars to beat the Boston Celtics, but you know. Anything can happen. And then the 76ers and the Nets play each other. Third to succeed. Um, the same stuff now that Embiid might not be ready for game one. And that, that scares me because everything the Sixers are bad at, the Nets are good at. The Nets have dribble drive penetration guards that come off a pick and roll and hit a three or take it right into the lane. And the Sixers struggle with that. Sixers really don't have no guards. They're a forward team. They have a bunch of forwards. You know, the six ten point guard will be probably covering another guard. You got to find a way to match J.J. Reddick. But if Embiid plays, I think the Sixers win that in six, maybe five games. A gentleman's sweep. If Embiid doesn't play, I like Nets taking game one. But I don't think the Nets could beat the Sixers. I'm sorry. I don't think the Nets could do it. But that would be quite an upset. You know, Brett Brown, he might have to lose his job. Listen, if the Nets somehow beat the Sixers, Brett Brown has to lose his job for sure. So now for the Western Conference, the Clippers and Golden State Warriors play each other. Warriors will win that in four. I don't see that being no problem. San Antonio and Denver. Denver wins that in, I'll say, six because this is their first playoff appearance with a bunch of young guys. So I like them going to six games. OKC and Portland. Ooh. This will go to seven games for sure. It'll go to seven. I think Oklahoma City wins just because they got more star power. You know, Dame, he needs to make a decision. Do I want to stay in Portland? He said he doesn't care about no rings, but he needs to really make a strong decision on that. And Houston and Utah, I got that going to seven games, to be honest. Just because when you play in that Utah crowd, they're going to get they're gonna get to James Harden's head. It doesn't take much to get to James Harden's head, and I th- I think with that crowd in his face for 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 the games they play in Utah, it's going it's going to throw him. He's going to still score thirty, but it's going to throw him off his game for sure. And right before I ended, my man Allen Iverson he threw the first pitch at the Phillies game. Um, he had an interview at during the game. He was sitting in the crowd. He had an interview. He didn't know what he was. It was a good interview, you know. He. Of course, he congratulated Philadelphia, said how much he loved Philly. But when they asked him about baseball, I don't think he knew what he was talking about. He went from, you know, I seen Bryce in the locker room, I mean dugout, and he was just stuttering over his words, the um, um, um. You know, that's classic Allen Iverson, you know. All his interviews are go, you know, you just have to listen. And just, listen, he's a great man, you know. He just really didn't know what he was talking about. 
But on that, you know, that's going to be in the end of episode two. Thank you guys for listening. You know, I try to make this a longer episode this time. My goals are for the episodes 30 minutes to 45 minutes. First episode, I have a bunch of excuses why I was so short, but I'm just going to leave it to y'all and say it was a trial run of the first episode. I didn't want to give y'all an hour episode and not be good. But like I said, every episode I'm going to try to get around 30 minutes to 45, 25 to 45, something in between that. And that's how we're just going to do it. But thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to Stofa Sports Podcast.